Good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is a great joy to, to be with you again. I uh, missed being with you last Sunday at 11 o'clock. Grateful to Sarah Whitmore for leading us in our time of worship. Grateful for your prayers and, and well wishes. And again, a joy to be with you as we prepare to gather at the Lord's table, as we sing the hymns of faith, as we proclaim the word. And in all of this, know the presence of the living Christ. Thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning. Just a reminder of the registration pads as we find those to our right and left. It helps us to know of you sharing in worship as we gather this morning. Hoping that following this time of worship, you will make your way over to the Uptown Ministry Center. There we will share in our annual Super Bowl. Wonderful time of fellowship and of food and of fundraising as well as we support the Food Bank Ministries of First Church. And again, I hope to see you there. Hope to see you as we worship next Sunday. We see it as a wonderful time of worship that is set before us. And a reception is to follow in the uh, fellowship hall following that time of worship. Also at 2 o'clock next Sunday, Denise Bates, our district superintendent, will be with us to speak about a proposed plan of separation within the United Methodist Church. To be discussed, we anticipate a general conference in May and we simply want this to be a time in which we share some of this information as we move forward. And again, daily, I covet your prayers for God's church as we move toward that time of conferencing in, in May at General Conference. Remember again the opportunities that are before us as we share in the Mayberry Bible study and also uh, in the study that uh, Terry Mitchell has began, uh, began earlier this morning in Sunday school, and also a Lenten study that uh, I'm hoping to be a part of. I hope to have your response in regard to that and also the confirmation study. I'm looking for Stacy Humphreys. Stacy was to speak to us about the Reach Out and Read program. Okay, perhaps as she uh, will show up later in worship and we can speak to that previous to the offering, but do be attentive to that. Stacy did speak of this at the 845 service and it's wonderful ministry and we pray for your support of that as well. Again, we spend much time in the Gospel of Matthew this year and look forward to sharing from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 as we speak of the Beatitudes of Jesus. And I'll invite us to prepare now to worship God together.
stand as we share in our call to worship. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the downtrodden and despairing. Blessed are those who mourn, who are grieving. Blessed are the ones who seek justice and righteousness. Blessed are we when we love our neighbors and seek their needs. Blessed are we all when we seek to serve others in God's name.
I invite us to go to God as we pray. God, bless those who are in poor spirit, who feel empty inside and who dread the day. Bless those who mourn and grieve, who ache with loss for someone so much loved. Bless all who are merciful, who have learned to forgive even those who hurt them. Bless all who are pure in heart, in whom there is no vengefulness, but only love. Bless the peacemakers, the ones who by their words and deeds can change the world. Bless the persecuted ones, and keep them safe from those who would hurt them. God, so rich in blessings for your children, we rejoice in your promises and in your boundless and transforming grace. Amen.
Thank you. Kathy Dietrich will lead us in the reading of our scripture this morning. Good morning. The Old Testament reading this morning comes from Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Uh, Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, and redeemed you from the house of bondage. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. And the New Testament reading for today comes from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, I've brought your assignment for the morning, and your assignment is this. I want you to preach a sermon. I know I'm kind of late with this assignment. I should have assigned this to you last Sunday when I really had no voice. But still, I believe you're up to the task. It's an assignment that really not be too difficult. The sermon need not be lengthy. It need not be laced with lofty academic words. It need not be prefaced by hours of study and research, not at all. 
Without all or any of this, you still carry a sermon within you. It's really simpler than you think. You see, your sermon need be no more complicated than stating what you believe to be basic and essential to your faith. Giving shape and weight to your sermon. Maybe persons who have inspired you, have witnessed to you, informing your sermon may be unforgettable experiences of faith. Those moments in which your lives were touched in such a way that they can never go back to what they once were. Informing your sermon may be spirit-filled moments of worship and service. Again, I'll preach to the choir. You have a sermon to preach. So are you ready? Well, perhaps it may be of help if I share this advice offered by the late Rabbi Edwin Friedman, advice he offered to clergy preparing to preach their first sermon in a new congregation. Rabbi Friedman's advice to such clergy is this. When you preach your new first sermon in a new church, preach your I have a dream sermon. Now, Friedman's rationale for such counsel was this. One, this being your first sermon in a new setting, you're likely to see people in that service that you'll never see again. So you try to impress them in a powerful way. And two, with such a sermon, you want to cast an ambitious vision for your congregation, much as Martin Luther King Jr. did with his I Have a Dream speech. Does that advice help you as you prepare your sermon? Well, maybe, maybe not. Still, I hope such counsel helps us as we experience the gospel this morning. We know this scripture from Matthew chapter 5 by the term, the Beatitudes. We may have seen Beatitudes represented in any number of ways, on various wall hangings, greeting cards, on rulers, on plaques. We may even know these Beatitudes by heart. We may also notice Jesus' first lengthy discourse, his first sermon in the Gospel of Matthew, begins with and is shaped by these words of blessing. You see, it appears if we take seriously the words of Rabbi Friedman, in this first sermon of Jesus, he cast a vision of blessing. An interesting vision perhaps a challenging vision. You see, I believe for those of us who preach sermons, we, we know the tendency to want to give some instruction, some challenge to those to whom we preach. I've had persons in churches I have served more than once say to me, well, it helps me go to church because there I am reminded of how I am to live. In other words, go out and love your neighbor, Go from this place of worship and do the words of God's prophet. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Those of us who preach know the inclination to want to give some practical counsel to those to whom we preach. 
I want you to leave this place with some direction on how to live better. I have heard that the noted United Methodist pastor, Adam Hamilton, who serves the Church of the Resurrection in Kansas, has said that every sermon should offer some ask. That is to say, every sermon should at least ask those to whom it is preached to adopt some new behavior by which greater devotion to Christ is shown. Every sermon should ask the hearers to demonstrate some work in which there is witness to your faith. Faith without works is dead, we have been told. But before us this morning is Jesus' first sermon according to Matthew. Here is Jesus' inaugural address. Here is his I have a dream speech. And we notice there's no ask here. There's no instruction on how you are to live. There is no commandment, no go and do likewise in this Jesus' first sermon. Now we know that's not to say that Jesus is suggesting the ask is not important. It's not to say loving God and doing justice and kindness and walking humbly with God is not important. We know that's of greatest importance but it appears, according to Jesus, so is this. For everyone here to know, we are blessed. It is as if Jesus is saying to us, before we go any further, I want you to know this. You're blessed. You're blessed. And it is important that you know this. It's important we remember that when Jesus was born, the blessing of Jesus was shown to those eccentric magi who, having seen the star of Jesus in the east, traveled a great distance to worship him. It's important we anticipate how Jesus, in his final discourse in this gospel, will pronounce blessing upon those who do nothing more than demonstrate basic kindness by clothing the needy and feeding the hungry and giving water to the thirsty and visiting those in prison and welcoming the stranger. Blessed are you, says Jesus. Blessed are you. I hear these words of Jesus, these words of blessing. Though these words are so familiar to us, too familiar perhaps, I have, as I have grown chronologically, come to appreciate how Jesus, before he preaches any other word in the Gospel of Matthew, preaches a word of blessing. There is one whom I know in my family, one whom I have known all my life, who really was not treated well by others in my family. I am not sure why, but I know such mistreatment has marked him deeply. And though he now appears to be at a relatively good place in his life, he still bears the marks of such mistreatment. 
And he leaves behind him, I believe, a life in which he has done this. He has searched unceasingly for his blessing. I believe at his core, marked as he is, he still searches for his blessing. He still wanders after all these years like Cain in the land of Nod, east of Eden, all the while knowing there is nothing worse than a life he believes unblessed. But Jesus says, blessed are you, you poor in spirit, you who mourn, you who are meek, you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you who are merciful, you who are poor in heart, you who are peacemakers, you who are persecuted and reviled, blessed are you. Blessed are all of you. These words give no instruction. They offer no to-do list. These words offer no particular challenge. But there are few words more beloved than these. Is it not because of this? These words tell us where we stand in our relationship with God. And where we stand, according to Jesus, is in a state of blessedness. God's favor is upon you, each and every one of you. You belong to God before you belong to anyone else, says Jesus. You are his. Know this before we go any further. No one, and that means no one, is beyond the notice of God. Not the hungry, not the thirsty, not the poor, not those who mourn, not the reviled, not the persecuted, none of you, not one, is beyond the notice and favor of God. You, each of you, is blessed. And it's not because any of us deserves God's blessing. It is because of this. It is the nature of God to bless those whom God has made. Not a bad first sermon, is it? I'm guessing that as you set to work at crafting your sermon, you include some witness to these words of blessing. Perhaps you speak of how you experience this blessing of Jesus by way of the hymns sung within this time of worship. Perhaps you speak of how you know this blessing of Jesus by way of the choral music offered as we worship. And maybe we speak of how we know ourselves to be blessed as we find our place at the table of the Lord. Here we are blessed as we know the presence of the living Christ as we share the bread. Here we know ourselves to be forgiven as we share the cup. Perhaps we speak of how we experience the blessing of Jesus as his word is proclaimed. We may speak of how we 
continue to know ourselves blessed as we affirm the faith, gather in prayer, and offer our gifts. Or perhaps we claim our blessing as we greet and welcome brothers and sisters in the faith, blessing one another as we know ourselves at the same time to be blessed by one another. Jesus, it appears, would have it no other way. His first word to us, his vision for us, his dream for us is to bless each one of us. So no one here is beyond the notice of God. No one here is beyond the reach of God. No one here is beyond the blessing of God. Blessed are you says Jesus. Blessed are you.
remain standing as we share our responsive affirmation. Wonderful is the God of Christ who gathers the poor of the earth. Glorious is our God who wipes away the tears of sorrow. Wonderful is the God of Christ who gives inheritance to the meek. Glorious is our God who satisfies the hunger of the just. Wonderful is the God of Christ who gives mercy to the merciful. Glorious is our God who gives vision to the pure in heart. Wonderful is the God of Christ who adopts the peacemakers. Glorious is our God who lives high the persecuted. Wonderful is the God of Christ who finds the lost. Glorious is our God who awakens the dead. Please be seated as we share in the prayers of the people remembering that we are to be those who ask, seek, not relentlessly, those who pray without ceasing. So we share in the prayers of the people a responsive time of prayer in which I will name a series of petitions, concluding each with the words, Lord, in your mercy, inviting from you the response, hear our prayer, and inviting you to name those concerns upon your hearts as well. We go to God as we pray. Lord, you bless us beyond measure. From the beginning of our lives to their ends, you bless us every day in between, including this day. For such blessings, we give you thanks. And we pray, Lord, at this time, for the people of this congregation, Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, hear us as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Lewis, Denise Bates, the Ministries of First Church, the United Methodist Church. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, hear our prayer, gathered with the prayers of your saints, whose witness and inspiration continues even to this day. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Christ, our Lord, invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. 
our prayer of confession is before us. Let us pray as we trust in the assurance of God's forgiveness. Almighty God, we confess that we have not been faithful to you in our thoughts and actions. We have been selfish in our desires and argumentative in our relationships. We have allowed fear to divide us from those who seem different and have let distrust separate us from our brothers and sisters. Shine your light into our darkened hearts. Save us from our divisive ways. Unite us in the same mind as Jesus Christ, who dwells with you in the Holy Spirit in perfect harmony. Amen. Hear this good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. And I'll invite us to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. As our ushers prepare to come forward, I'm going to invite Stacy Humphreys to come forward to our lectern as well. And again, Stacy will speak to the mission opportunity that we find in our bulletins, reach out and read. So I'll, as Stacy finds her place, our ushers will come forward. I'll have a word of prayer. We will receive God's tithes and our offerings. Stacy will speak to us about reach out and read. My name is Stacy Humphreys, and I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner at Silva Pediatrics, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Reach Out and Reach. Read. Reach Out and Read is a nationwide program, and the whole purpose of it is to encourage literacy at pediatric primary care offices. So when a child from zero to five comes for a well child check, that provider would give them a new book and talk to the parents about the benefits of reading to the child and promoting early literacy. In this day and age when you see so many toddlers with tablets and cell phones, it's nice to encourage them to read. Um, to be a part of this program, you have to have a one-year supply of books already on hand. So I've purchased 500 books, 
And earlier today when I spoke, I said I needed 480, but I really need 466 now. Um, so I'm asking for your help. Why is this important to me? Um, because when I think of my early childhood, I mean before going to school, two memories come to mind. That when the Flintstones were coming on, my father came home from work. Um, and the other thing is every evening, I knew that my mom would read us a story and she'd get down on her knees and pray with us. That might not seem ordinary, but let me tell you what makes it extraordinary. My mother's mother had a third grade education. My mom didn't finish high school. My mom had four kids. All of us have at least a master's degree because she encouraged us to love the Lord and to love to read. So I'm asking you to help me spread that love of reading. Thank you. I will offer words of prayer. We will have our offertory anthem. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this witness, for this good news, and for this opportunity to reach out and serve you by serving our neighbors. You bless us beyond measure. For all these blessings, we give you thanks. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
the table is set, and the most gracious of hosts awaits us to bless us. I'll invite you to follow along as we share in the great thanksgiving. You may do so by turning to page 9 in your hymnals or following the PowerPoint. You'll note that there are three responses we are offered, invited to offer as we share in the great thanksgiving. These will be sung responses, and certainly our choir will lead us as we come to those responses. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and to death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us 
as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, to deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the table of our Lord to which each of you is invited. A reminder that as you come forward, you'll see some mission boxes to your right or left. We invite your donations, your contributions to support the mission ministries of First Church. There will be two stations. You will receive at each station a portion of the bread. You're invited to dip that into the cup that is held before you. And as you feel led, kneel at the rail for a word of prayer. Come to the table. Our choir will come first. We conclude our great thanksgiving with the closing prayer as before us. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We stand as we sing.
we have been blessed, have we not? And we go from this place as the blessed people of God because of God's love for us shown this day and always. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.